Morning, everyone. My name is Emily, and I'm just going to pray and do our Bible reading this morning. So before we just come to God's Word, we'll just, we'll just still ourselves and pray. Father God, as we bow before you as your people, we acknowledge that you are the one true God. You're sovereign and you're good. You're the God of all creation and you are worthy of our worship. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your steadfastness, and for your never-ending love. And Father, as we gather in this room, an eclectic bunch of people, Father, the thing we have in common is you. So Father, I pray for a spirit of unity this morning as we worship, as we come to your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this space, we invite you to illuminate the word. We invite you to minister and to speak and to just show us more of the Father, to show us more of Jesus. So Father, we pray as John comes to just unpack this passage that he has been preparing. Father, we thank you for his, his work in that, for his faithfulness, and we just pray that you would just use him mightily, that you would speak through him, and that you would be honored and glorified in all that is done here. Father, we pray as we come to this passage, Father, that as familiar as it may be, Father, there's nothing familiar about it. The truths in this passage are just so precious and just so powerful, so I just pray that, that we will see this psalm anew, that you will reveal more and more and more. We ask this all in and through the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. So we are, if you're visiting with us, we are in a series in Psalms, and today we are in Psalm 23, and I'm just going to read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. Uh, 
We are in, as Emily has just read for us, Psalm 23 this morning. Uh, and I want to do a bit of a, a quiz just to see, because it's important as we open up today. Uh, for those of you who weren't here last week or didn't listen online, then you're forgiven. But can anyone tell us what psalm we were in last week? 16, you're all very good. Uh, so there's a couple of right answers in the first service. Well done. Just like to keep check, you know. So I do realize this morning also that we've got a lot of visitors, and you're very welcome this morning. I don't know if Jeff is intending to come up and do interpretation, <laughs> but uh, you may well get about 25% of what I'm saying, all right? Just, the people here can't understand me, so it's, it's going to be difficult for you this morning. Uh, last week, we were looking at Psalm 16, and I began by asking the question, have you ever felt in real, genuine danger? Because Psalm 16 uh, was looking at David praying this prayer for security. Preserve me, O God. That was his prayer. He was praying. He was looking. He was seeking from, for, for security. And we found last week that the only place that David actually found that security was in God himself. This week, I want to begin by flipping the question. And the question I open up with this week is this, real time where you sit, do you feel safe and secure? Now, I don't mean when I say, do you feel safe and secure? I don't mean in this building. Uh, we're very fortunate to live in a place, live in a society, live in a culture where, where the threat, the genuine threat of, of attack or us being threatened in this building is quite small. For that, we should be thankful. That's not what I mean when I ask the question, do you feel safe and secure? What I mean when I ask the question, do you feel safe and secure, is this. Do you feel safe and secure in who you are and in your eternal destiny? Who you are and in your eternal destiny. I would imagine the answer to those questions may vary across the room. Some of us may feel very safe and secure in who we are and in our eternal destiny. Others, not so much. But do you feel safe and secure in who you are and in your eternal destiny? We live in a time, uh, live in an age where the reality is this. The messages you see and the messages you hear on a daily basis are doing everything they can to make you feel insecure and unsafe. Insecure and unsafe. Never has there been a generation, and I don't mean just my generation, I mean across the age ranges, never has there been a generation where so much pressure is being applied to have it all and to have it perfectly. Never. You literally just have to open your phone, go on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or wherever you may go, and you are being bombarded with messages that you have to have it all, and you have to have it a certain way, and that certain way is perfection. And if you do not have that, then you are falling short. And what does that cause? That causes insecurity. 
and it causes un, feeling unsafe. So let me ask you a question again. This morning where you sit, do you feel safe and secure in who you are and in your eternal destiny? You see, the difference between Psalm 16 and Psalm 23 is that David is praying these prayers, singing these psalms from completely different perspective. Psalm 16, he is seeking safety, seeking security. Psalm 23, he is praying from a place of security and safety. That's the difference. And so David opens up Psalm 23 by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. And so the first thing we see here is that, that the Lord is a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the, the, the illustration here. I think... Uh, the illustration would have been easier, easier, easier caught back in the time when David was writing this psalm into a, a predominantly agricultural society in Israel. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. But I think no matter, regardless of, of our knowledge of sheep or shepherding, regardless of our knowledge, I think we all get the imagery to a certain degree. Some people were surprised in the first service to, 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 to realize that, that I am not an expert shepherd or sheep farmer. I don't know why that came as a surprise, but they were shocked. But we all, to a certain degree, get this illustration. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the animal kingdom. They are not the brightest, not the bravest. They are weak. They are easily led astray. They are always vulnerable. And yet God gives this image of us being sheep time and time and time again in the Scriptures, and of Him being the shepherd. Some of us come in here this morning, and we are very much aware that we are like sheep. Some of you come in here this morning feeling uh, the, the, the fact that you have limited resources. Some of us have come in here this morning very much in touch today with our limitations, the fact that we are weak, that we're not the bravest, that we are easily led astray, that we are vulnerable. And you're feeling that today. You're feeling exactly like the sheep. But the good news of Psalm 23 is this. Charles Spurgeon, who said Psalm 23 was the pearl of the Psalms. And when Spurgeon says something, they, got, they tend to listen. He said it was the pearl of the Psalms. He said this, that he thought the sweetest words in Psalm 23 were these, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Just think about that for a moment. The one that we've just sang about, that word Yahweh, Yahweh. Ringo and I didn't uh, get together actually and come up with this today, but, but that word Yahweh, that is, is the word that David is using here, the Lord, Yahweh is my shepherd. 
How good was it there that we just were able to stand there and sing, Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord, the personal name of God, faithful God, covenant-keeping God, He is my shepherd. You have to remember, though, that the position of shepherds in Israel at the time was not a high position. It was a low one. People thought very little of shepherds in, in this day and age. And, and, and David is, is saying here that the Lord, Yahweh, the God, the covenant-keeping God of the universe, has made himself low enough to be our shepherd. David knew, of course, what it was like to be a shepherd. Where was he when God called him? Being a shepherd. He knew what the job entailed. He knew what it was like. Those beautiful words in that calling of David, the Lord looks not at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Yahweh has stooped to serve us in this low position. He's our shepherd. David says here, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I will want for nothing. So what does this psalm tell us about the shepherd? Well, I think it tells us in the first few verses very much that, that the shepherd knows us. He knows us. He knows his sheep there are all sorts of benefits that come out in this psalm of, of being a sheep. And the first one is this, that the shepherd knows us. And we have no time to fully flesh out oh, what all that means. But, but there's three things, there's three things that become very, very clear from, from God being the good shepherd. One is he knows us. The second one is that he leads us. The third is that he defends us. He knows us, he leads us, and he defends us. Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I know them by name. None of us in this room this morning are nameless to God. You are known. You are fully known. God knows everything about you, every thought that you've had this morning already, everything that you're thinking right now, every struggle that you face, every, uh, every joy or triumph that you have, every single thing, you are known by the Good Shepherd, and you're loved. You are known, and you are loved. No one no one on planet earth fully knows you. No one. You may think your spouse knows you, or they may think they know you, but they do not. If they had an inkling into the thoughts in your head, I guarantee you they would run a mile. No one knows you completely, but God does. 
God knows you completely and fully loves you. That should blow our minds if we are in any way self-aware and know our own thoughts and know our own hearts. You are fully known and fully loved by the Good Shepherd. You will not lack for anything because He knows you. You will find rest and restoration because He knows you. You will lie down in green pastures. He knows you. He leads you. He also leads you. He leads you. We're told here, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God is always leading. Always. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter where we find ourselves in life, God is always leading us. Up until this point today, God has been leading you from you, from you opened your eyes this morning. He has been leading you. What we tend to do in the church and what we tend to do in Christianity is look for big signs. Yeah? So that's the only way we can know that God is actually leading us. If we see the big thing, if, if the sky, I, and sometimes I think if the sky's opened up and God said, do this, I think we'll go, ah, he's not really leading me. But uh, somehow we look for the big thing. But he's leading us all the time in every circumstance, in every minute of every day, God is leading us. But this is where the sheep illustration comes in a wee bit. If we let Him. From my vast experience of sheep farming, right? Again, second service, let me down. From my vast experience of sheep farming, I know this. I don't know a thing. If you're visiting, I don't know a thing about sheep farming, all right? I'm from the town, towny. Uh, from my vast experience of sheep, sheep, us, all of us, sheep can be stubborn and not that easy to lead because we want to do things our way. And in our own time, in the way we want it, just like sheep, sometimes we're not that easily led. But He will lead us in paths of righteousness if we let Him. If we listen for His voice, if we seek Him, He will lead us. I love that word. I love that phrase, He leads us. He doesn't drag us. He doesn't push us. He doesn't cajole us into doing things that we don't want to do. He leads us. He leads us. The Good Shepherd knows us. The Good Shepherd leads us, and the Good Shepherd defends us. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This, this valley of death that David is talking about is a place of vulnerability. And here we're told that the good shepherd defends us. He's armed. He's got a rod and he's got a staff. 
and he defends us against our foes, and he will beat them off with this rod and this staff. When everything's dark, when we're, when we're prone to wander, when we're prone to leave, when we're prone to run away, what, what, when all of our foes attack us, what does God do? God defends us. We're talking about here the good shepherd, the one who says that he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. You all know I, I, I quote the, the hymn often, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the Lord I love. That's us all. And every time we do, God comes after us. He defends us. He beats our foes. And He lifts us on His shoulders and brings us back to the fold. I don't know if you're familiar with the little clip. I should have had it up on the screen. But there's a little clip that does the rounds of a, a, a wee guy, and he's trying to pull a sheep out of a ditch. Uh, and he's struggling, and the sheep's in the ditch, and he pulls the sheep out of the ditch, sets the sheep on the solid ground, and what does the sheep do? The sheep runs about 15 yards back into the ditch. That's us. And what does God do? He goes again and pulls us out of the ditch and puts our feet on solid ground, and then we go and jump into the ditch again and he pulls us out, and he puts us on solid ground. That's our story. That's our story. He defends us. He goes after us. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. So that's our good shepherd. He knows us. He leads us, and he defends us. But I want you to notice something else about this psalm. Psalm 16 was very much a plea from David. Preserve me, O God. He was looking something from God. In Psalm 23, you don't see any requests. Not one. There's no please. There's no ask. It is literally David outlining a journey. And I don't know if you've ever looked at Psalm 23 as a journey before, but you can see it unfold. There's a journey goes on here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David goes into this worship. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Then, then the journey takes a bit of a twist. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no ill. And the journey culminates in a table. It ends up at a table. And this, what David is describing here in Psalm 23, is life's journey. It is the journey of faith, and it's real. It's filled with trials, temptations, traps, everything. As I said, it culminates in a table of feasting with the Lord. So the shepherd knows you, he leads you, he defends you. But the emphasis in this psalm, I would say the overwhelming emphasis in this psalm is this, is that God is with you on this journey. He is with you. 
You see, on this journey, there's no quick fixes. There's no 10 steps to perfection. Uh, Jesus comes and he walks with us on life's journey. That's what this psalm is illustrating. He walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And what we need to, to notice here in the first three verses, David is talking about the Lord. Do you notice that? So he's talking about him. Look, he, he restores my soul. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me like he's talking about him. But then all of a sudden it changes. All of a sudden it changes. And then he's speaking to him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's not talking about him anymore. He's talking to him. You are with me. I will fear no evil. You're with me. Derek Kidner, in his commentary on the Psalms, says this, The dark valley is as truly one of his right paths. The dark valley is as truly one of his right paths. He leads me in right paths. The dark valley is as truly one of his right paths as are the green pastures. Do you get that? Do you see that, that it's, not as if, it's not as if God is just leading or just being with at the, at the still waters or in the green pastures? No, He's leading and He's with through the valley of the shadow of death. That means He's led us there. Sometimes we have this idea, and sometimes I have this idea, that, that, it's, that God only leads in the good things or only takes me into the good things that I perceive to be good things. Kidner here points out that these dark valleys are every bit as much God's leading as the green pastures are. The more I journey in life, the more I speak to people, the more I am in pastoral ministry, the more I see that it is in the dark valley and it is in the dark place where God is formed in people. Where they become more like Christ. Very rarely does that happen in the green pastures and at the still waters. It's like, to use the image of the furnace, it's like we, we have to go through the furnace to be formed. And these dark valleys are every bit as much part of God's plan as the green pastures and the still waters. We live in a world that's dark. Do you agree? I think most of us would, would, live, would say we live in a world that is pretty dark. At the height of World War II, uh, there was an order given to the European Allied cities that at a certain time at sundown, there could be no light 
None. I mean, nothing. You couldn't even uh, strike a match. You couldn't turn on a bulb. You couldn't light a candle. Nothing. Darkness. Because the minute you would light a match, the overhead bombers would be able to suss out your position, and they would target. So, complete darkness. I don't think we can imagine what that's actually like in our day and age, because we're constantly, we've constantly light. Even at night, we're like, looking, this is, this is me in bed, by the way. You get an insight into what it looks like. We, we, just don't, we just don't understand what complete darkness is like. But I want you to put yourself there, and that's the world we live in. We live in a dark world where sometimes it will feel extremely dark. Maybe, maybe you're there now, where it feels extremely dark, where it feels as if there's not light at the end of the tunnel. The Lord says, He is with you. He is with you. That's the overwhelming emphasis of this psalm, that He is with you. You are known. You are His. He will not lose you nor leave you. He, he will keep you. He will not be clumsy with you. He will, he will do everything in His power to hold you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He is your shepherd. What difference would it make if we could live there in our lives, knowing on a daily basis, minute by minute by minute, that the Lord is our shepherd. He loves us. He cares for us. He is for us, not against us. I think it would make a massive difference in a very dark world. But that's the journey we're on here. That's the journey that David is taking us through. He's taking us through green pastures and still waters. He then takes us through the, the valley of the shadow of death. And so that's the good shepherd. But, but, but then there's a change again in the psalm. So David outlines in the first section of the psalm the good shepherd. But then he moves into this second section. Uh, and it's this. God is the generous host. He's not just a good shepherd. He is a generous host. Look at verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David changes from using the imagery of sheep to the imagery of companionship. He describes relationship here with the Lord. And he gives us this picture of welcome and celebration and joy and freedom. Derek Kidner again points out in his commentary that to, to eat and to drink at someone's table could have been the culminating, of, uh, culminating token of a covenant. And so to be, a, to, be, to be God's guest is to be more than an acquaintance. Invited for the day, but it is to live with him. David here, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. David is saying that he feels welcomed to the table of God. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Bearing in mind we asked the first question about feeling safe and secure. Do you feel welcomed by God? Welcomed. I don't mean tolerated. I don't mean God is simply putting up with you. I mean welcomed. As I said last week, I think we the majority of us, well, it's a cultural thing, well, I don't know what it is, but I think most of us wander around with this mid-grade shame mentality where we feel that God is simply just putting up with us. And yet David here prays from a place of safety and security and says, I am welcomed to the table of God. Welcomed. Psalm 23 is a story of a journey. And it's the story of a journey home. For those of us who are in Christ, this is where the journey ends, at the table. It ends at the table. We talked last week about feeling secure and and having a, a security in the future. You want to know your future if you're in Christ? Your future is this. One day you will sit at the table of God and you will be welcomed into His presence and there you will dwell forever. The great generous host invites us in to sit and eat and drink with Him. Verse 5, he anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's, a, it's, just, it's just a picture of oil and wine and overflowing and joy and communion and welcome. Verse 5 is a, a strange verse in a way where, where it starts out, you prepare a table for me before me in the presence of my enemies. Why does David say that? Well, Perhaps David genuinely does mean uh, human enemies. Maybe David wasn't short of a four or two. Uh, and maybe he literally means uh, people. But maybe more than that. You remember at the, at the beginning, you probably don't, you probably remember about two minutes ago, but, but do you remember at the beginning I talked about the pressure that we feel today? The pressure that we feel to conform, the pressure that we feel to fit in, the pressure that we feel to have, the pressure that we feel to be perfect, the pressure that we feel to have it all, the right way, the perfect way, whatever it may be. Folks, those are our enemies. Those are the things that are going after your soul. Those are what Satan is using against you. And what David's saying here is when he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint. he's saying those foes, those enemies can't touch me here. They have been defeated. Think of the freedom that that brings. When all those interior enemies those interior opposition, those enemies of the soul, when they're coming at you, that you can say, I'm at the Lord's table. Nothing can touch me here. There's unbelievable freedom in that. 
So, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who's leading us? Who's leading us? The Lord, Yahweh. What's following us? Goodness and mercy. You are surrounded by God. He's leading. Goodness and mercy are coming behind. We are encapsulated by God. Are you starting to see how David can pray so safely and securely? Because when you're surrounded by God, nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. If he's leading, goodness and mercy are following behind. You're surrounded. You are safe. You are secure. You are hemmed in. You're hemmed in. Today, over this last two weeks, really, my, my prayer for last week in, in Psalm 16 was that we would run to God for our safety and our security. We would find it only in Him. My prayer for today has been this week that we would know that we're safe and secure. Now, let me ask you the question again. Are you like King David? Can you sit here this morning and know that you're safe and secure in Him, in who you are? You are loved. You are forgiven. You have been chosen. You are His. Do you know that? Are you safe and secure in that? But there was a second question at the beginning, and I don't know if you picked up on it. First question was, are you safe and secure in who you are? Second question was this, are you safe and secure in your eternal destiny? You see, what I've described this morning, the safety and security that I've described this morning, is only for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is only for those who know the Good Shepherd. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you haven't repented of sin and turned to Jesus in faith, if you haven't done that, the reality is this, there is no safety or no security for you. None. If you have not trusted Jesus as Savior, there is the exact opposite of those things, in fact. You are facing a future of complete insecurity and unsafety. You, you, and I don't just mean in eternity, I mean in this life. I genuinely, I genuinely, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I genuinely do not know how people get through this life without Jesus. 
because there's nothing secure. Nothing. Life can change like that. And for the believer, the only security we have is Christ. And so if you're, if you're not a believer in here this morning, if you don't know Jesus, don't, haven't come to Jesus, my plea for you today is this, that you would come to know Him today. Come to Jesus today. Come and have your sins forgiven today. Come and know peace today. Come and know this safety and security today. The reality is, for everyone in this room, the invitation goes out again. For believer, rest in it. For unbeliever, find it. Come to Jesus. He wants to be the good shepherd and the generous host to you as well. But for the believer, for the follower of Christ, rest in the knowledge that you have a good, good shepherd who loves you and who is for you. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for the imagery that you gave us in Scripture of who you are and this predominant one of you being the Good Shepherd. Father, you are the Good Shepherd. Jesus, you are the Good Shepherd. Holy Spirit, you are the Good Shepherd. And I pray through the power of the Spirit that you would just do a deep, deep work in our hearts this morning to show us and to help us and to, to give us that assurance that you are with us. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.